got one person in. Wow. <laughs> okay. This is so Oh, this cool. is so, so weird. weird. Maybe we're recording, we Katie. <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I have headphones into my computer. Sorry, sorry. In speaker, but I also hear. Oh my god, in my ears. This is really weird. Okay. Alright. Carisi, you're all around me. Do we have everybody? Yeah, we do. Melissa, have you gotten in? Oh my god. Yeah. You're right in front of me. Just move your phone far away from the computer. Can you guys hear me in the voice call? Yeah, I can. But you're not hearing my phone. Yeah, we do. So it's like echoing. Kind of funny. I think everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's okay. got the echo? It's fine. Okay. All right. Um. So I guess we introduced ourselves. Each introduced ourselves. All right. What, um. What do we start with? Wait. Can we cut all this out? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Okay. Uh. Well, I'll I'll start first. I'm Carisi. Um. I'm Hannah. I'm Katie Foreman. And I'm Melissa Herrera. Alright. So we're starting off with a 30 second summary. Okay, who's gonna time it? (laughs) (laughs) I think we just go and try to beat the clock. I can go first, that's fine. Okay. Alright, so the novel starts off with a group of boys who are dropped alone on a deserted island during a war, and they start putting together their own, like, government system based on this conch shell they picked up, and whoever holds conch shell is kind of like the leader at the time. But as they keep going on, the habits of civilization kind of wear off of them, and they become cruel and violent. And by the end, the idea of returning to actual civilization is almost surreal. That was a really good ah. one. I talked earlier. I had beat those days. I'll go next. So I said um, I have some bullet points written down, but I said something like, so the boys, uh, after a plane crash, they got stuck on this island, and then they try to keep some sort of the civilization, but they end up lose their morality, and they end up, like, killing two people and then eating one of them. <laughs> and when they all get rescued, they, like, cry because of the evils they committed, and they realize how horrible of people they are, so. <laughs> that's okay. That's kind of scary. That was pretty um, scary. It works. Um, okay. I'm gonna go next. I, the, basically, a bunch of boys get like deserted on an island after a plane crash and they try to like set up a government but it doesn't go so well towards the end of the book they all go crazy and like like they, they said they start eating people <laughs> I love that <laughs> <laughs> okay that's basically it do I go yeah oh okay uh, <laughs> so Laura the Slice is a novel from William Golding and it's a novel about um <laughs> Wait, a young boys who were in a plane and the plane crashed and so they're in a deserted island and they have to like try and survive so they develop like rules like a system in order to like see who's in charge of what and then eventually everything goes downhill and everyone becomes violent so people die <laughs> and people get eaten <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is an important part of the book, I guess. All right, we yeah. we vote on who we like best, right? Yeah. I, I like yours. I mean, voice, I think. Uh... <laughs> um, I liked the uh, the first one. I forgot who said it. That was yeah. me. Percy. <laughs> yeah, I like Percy's too. Thank you. 
You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now, do we do the questions? All right, we can start off. So, sure, I need to pull that first part okay. is about the beast and like how Golding uses the beast as a metaphor and what the beast does in the whole book and how d- different people acknowledge the beast as a different like level of threat and a different thing. Yeah. Um, Katie, the last night when we were talking, you um, you brought up how most of the boys thought like the beast was a different thing and it kind of reflected their personalities do you want to yeah. elaborate on that at all okay um <laughs> yeah because we were talking about the questions last night and so i was talking about how um how they talked about the beast and some believed in the beast and some uh, didn't believe in the beast and some thought the beast was in the ocean and some thought the beast was um, somewhere else. And so it kind of reflects on what they think about like their moralities as people. It's like a direct, um, it's their direct views on their acts of evil. It's something really weird, <laughs> but I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that idea when you brought it up. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I was looking into how Simon was kind of unsure on the existence of the beast. He doesn't, like, disregard it, but it's not always in the front of his mind. It's not a huge deal to him. And I thought it was interesting that he acknowledges the evil in all of them, but it's not... It's He's not worried about it because he believes in everybody to not given to that violence so quickly. Right. And I think that helps yeah. show off his innocence <laughs> and like how nice Simon, of a character he is. Yeah. Simon was the best character and he just like got eaten. It's always the best characters in books that always die. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. <laughs> anybody have an idea the- any ideas on how Ralph and Jack think about the beast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, did you think about anything when it comes to the um, beast? Like when I when I was thinking about the beast, I only I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. The only person I kind of thought of was as you, like you said about Simon and how he wasn't really quite sure. I haven't really thought about the other two yet. But well, mm-hmm. Ralph just completely didn't believe in the beast. He was yeah, telling everybody that just... it's not real. Yeah, and then Jack wanted to hunt so the I... beast. <laughs> I guess Jack was just well, like, even if there is a beast, we can take it down, even though mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I thought it yeah. was interesting that Jack went straight to violence. Even in the beginning of the book, he was already so eager to just hunt and be yeah, barbaric. Was... Yeah, that was weird. A little weird. Yeah. yeah. Not the kindest. <laughs> um, next question. I mean, we can cover a little bit more on the beast. We have time. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. We do have time. <laughs> we have more than enough time. <laughs> okay. Um, how does he use the beast in the novel as a whole? Well, isn't it, like, just an exact symbol of, like, their inner evil? Yeah, I, I was going to say that. That's actually really... That is a symbol yeah. of their inner evil and how... Yeah. The beast it, was inside them all along. <laughs> the beast was brought out from the inside. Oh no. It was not good. Yeah, because. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. Um, it was just like, since he always wanted, like, he was like so eager to hunting and everything. I feel like that kind of 
helped more like take out the beast inside of him, killing and hunting. Yeah, I no 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 go ahead. Okay, I was gonna say I just feel like Jack didn't really like overcome the beast. He kind of just became it. Like, he was never really worried about it, but everybody else was. And he just kind of became the manifestation of what everybody was worried about the boys becoming. But because he was already such a strong presence on the island, everybody just accepted him. Mm Because they were already scared of the beast. Mm. Yeah. um... Oh, yeah. It it was kind of... I thought it was kind of weird. Because, like, the beast is, like, their... um like inner evil or whatever right and mm-hmm. so then and then jack he's like i'm gonna go kill it <laughs> by doing that it, you're becoming the beast yeah it's very contradictory you're channeling the evil from inside of you you're killing the beast is making you the beast basically yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> have yeah. we said all we wanted to say on this topic I think yeah. we kind of covered what we have. Yeah. All right. So next up is uh, what do you think Golding has to say about evil in Lord of the Flies and how he conveys his ideas to the reader through his text? Um, okay. All right. No, 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 no. You go. You go. I wasn't going to say anything. You can go. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, in the text, in fact, in um, his little kind of prologue thing was it um he says like all boys are capable of evil yeah and this book is direct evidence to this this book is just an entire um an entire ah what do you call it like a like an example of the evil that boys can um that boys are capable of. Yeah. Yeah. I have a quote from Piggy that I pulled up where he was going on his rant before um, dying when he had the conch for once. And he was saying, which is better, to be a pack of painted Indians like you are or to be sensible like Ralph is? Which is better, to have uh, rules and agree or to hunt or kill? Which is better, law and rescue or hunting and breaking things up? And I thought that quote was really interesting in comparison to the rest of the book because everybody's going to say law and order and being organized is better than savagery. But in the long run in the book, Jack's tribe was happier and stuck together more and was more loyal than Ralph, Ralph's members were ever to him, which I just thought was strange. Cause I'm pretty sure everybody would usually say, yeah, we want to have like a stable system put together instead of Jack's dictatorship, but mm-hmm. he still ended up being, more successful while it lasted i think i know why that might be so um something i was actually really proud of is (laughs) when i kind of kind of figured it out that um piggy or actually i might be really dumb and i figured it out out late but piggy (laughs) is a representation he's symbolistic of adulthood and so he's like uh there so Ralph's group would be like the um them growing up their um turn back to civilization. It was them who really actually wanted to go back. And then the children of um Jack's cult, <laughs> <laughs> cult they all um 
they all became ravaged savage indians and they rejected and they murdered piggy a sim sim uh a symbol of uh yeah i thought was really weird really interesting yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because yeah it's oh sorry no no i was just gonna say that i feel like piggy just symbolizes like maturity and adulthood like she said earlier you guys can continue sorry about that (laughs) Do you have anything else to say about what we were just talking about? Because I was going to switch it over to something a little bit different. Oh, I, was just gonna, I was just going to say how it's kind of it's kind of odd to think about it that you would expect like laws and like rules and everything to like be better. But like you guys said, instead, um, when they were be- when they became savages, when they would hunt and everything, they were generally happier than if they had rules and everything Mm -hmm. okay i was gonna bring it over to the second part of this prompt where it's how does he convey his ideas with the reader and i was just thinking about why golding chose the setting to be what it was and i thought it was i was just considering that on an island there's you can explore what the influence of society actually does and what kind of human behaviors it covers up and trying to like fit in and be like acceptable in society because in the normal world if the boys were here in san diego and they murdered a kid with a boulder and knocked him off the cliff they're not (laughs) running free and dancing and celebrating they're gonna be in juvie you know they're not gonna be having a good time but the boys know that when they're you know when they're in a city where they're when they're in like a civilized place but by choosing a setting like an, a, like an isolated island away from everybody and giving them enough time to completely shed all of their like civilization and their habits from being in a big group of people, it just really shows how different and mean humans are. And I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it's kind of like, like humans. I'm wrapping back are kind of like, I guess you can say kind of like beasts, like have an inner beast inside of them. They're like, everyone can be evil. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have anything else to say on this. Um, does anybody have anything to think about how Golding uses different characters to represent almost different stereotypes? Maybe not stereotypes, but like personality types and different like sets of morals and stuff (laughs) oh yeah i thought it was um it's not really anything um super insightful but i thought it was funny that simon was symbolic of like jesus (laughs) (laughs) that was interesting and then lord of the flies was pretty much the devil (laughs) but yeah i can't remember though was it simon or roger that saw the um lord of the flies it was, I believe it was Simon, because before he got killed, the Lord of the Flies, when it was talking to him, um, warned him of some upcoming danger or something like that. Yeah. Didn't he say something like, oh, I wish, no, I have my book right here. He said something like, um, ah, he said something like, all boys are capable of evil. That was like the entire reason of the book. That's what the Lord mm-hmm. of the Flies says. Something like that. Yeah, something along the lines of that. I wish I knew what page it was on. I feel like that could be like one of the overall themes of the book. That it's going to be evil. Mm-hmm. Wraps around the whole story. Yeah. 
Yeah. I also thought it was interesting how all the different characters portrayed evil at some point, but in very different ways. Right. Like, some of them were abandoning people that they thought they could trust. Some of them committed murder. That's one way of turning evil. Um, (laughs) Eight other people. Um. Everybody was, everybody did bad things on that island, but they all portrayed their evil in different ways. I thought it was interesting. Does anybody have anything else to say before we wrap up a little bit? No, I think we kind of covered no. everything. All right. Yeah. Okay, so the next part is uh, tracing Roger's evolution from a dark boy to sadist and what behavior he has expressed that gradually led him to evolve into such a dangerous figure and also touching on how he's a natural extension of Jack's authority. So Roger... He's a natural sociopath, but him being a natural sociopath, it was hidden and constrained by society. So, at first, he was just kind of testing the waters, and that's when he would throw the rock, throw the rocks at one of the little ones. But he wasn't, like, trying to hurt him. He was just trying to scare him. He wasn't trying to kill him. But at the end of the book... Yeah. Ends up like killing Piggy and then laughing at about, and laughing about it, and this this true sociopathism was brought on by um, by the support of Jack, I think. So um, that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with that idea because I was noticing how Roger was kind of. He never really worried about the physical safety of anybody. He advocated for a leader, but he didn't want to do it himself. And I think it mm-hmm. kind of shows that he's willing to do whatever he wants as long as it fills out his sadistic like um, fantasies or whatever. But he didn't want to be the leader himself. He didn't want to have that responsibility. He just wanted to push people around and have fun. And so mm-hmm. when Jack came into power, it was almost perfect for him because he had somebody to push him around, tell him what to do. But that also completely, like, wholeheartedly supported his sociopathic tendencies and all the bad things he wanted to do. And so finally, he didn't have to push the envelope anymore. He could just do what he wanted and nobody would stop him because they feared right. Jack. Right. Anyone else have anything to say? Uh, I was just going to agree with what was said. I mean, that's, yeah, when Jack came into power, he could, it was really noticeable that now um, Roger could have, like, the power to do, like, all the evil things, and, like, yeah, no one could stop Jack because they feared him. Yeah. Does anybody have any intermediate steps they noticed between um, Roger just throwing some rocks and scaring some little kids to him actually murdering someone? I completely don't, but does someone else? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's okay yeah. if you haven't thought about it. Just gonna do something. Yeah. Could be the little things. Mm. I'm sure if I were to go back in the book. I'm you don't have to, like, read. call out any specific events, but can anybody, like, detail his, like, progression from being just kind of quiet to a sociopath like entirely maniac <laughs> uh, I would say that Jack's authority pushed him the most but we already said that so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. does anybody have anything to think about how um, 
he was the one who like pushed for a leader. Anything mm, from that? Maybe it's just like because he wanted power and like he knew that he yeah. couldn't get it if he was leader. Maybe pushing so that someone yeah, because... else could take over. Why would he? But why would he want someone else to do it rather than him? If he if he was leader, then he could just like murder people I wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of confusing um, as well. Well, I think if he was leader, he knows that he wouldn't have strong loyalty or strong support like Jack and Ralph both did at their times. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Right. Good point. Maybe he just yeah. doesn't have good because leadership people, skills. Yeah. Yeah. Jack had better leadership skills than him, so I think he just wanted Jack to become leader so he could get power even if he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Because he does kind of treat himself as an outcast or someone who's not like really tightly woven with the other boys. And right. Like the support of the leader of the group automatically earns him the respect he needs and wants to commit the acts that he wants to do. So I think he was just in his mind, he was thinking, well, we've got a leader, I can just do whatever I want as long as they support me because I brought him into power. Right. (laughs) I just had a thought in that way, isn't he a little more um, constrained to civilization than a a couple of the other boys? Yeah. He's stuck to authority. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of was, but in a more twisted and cynical way <laughs> in a really horrible and people-eating way he <laughs> <laughs> was definitely not um normal or anything though then <laughs> if he was in civilization i would have hoped he'd been under treatment for whatever was going on <laughs> yeah. right i don't know about you i love throwing rocks at I would not. My favorite thing to do on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for it to be Sunday to throw rocks at little kids. I mm-hmm. love doing that. <laughs> what time? <laughs> Probably when it's about to be dark. <laughs> oh. Right, so we can make a fire and then eat them afterwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. For legal purposes, making sure this is all joking. Okay. Okay. Um, I think we touched on everything we wanted to, unless there anybody else has anything else to say. Um. Yeah, I agree. Maybe we should uh change the subject. Yeah, we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Does anybody else want to introduce the prompt this time? Um, so throughout the story, um, there's a trace of the symbolic role of fire. It began with the raging fire that kills a small boy with the birthmark, and then it had a changing role between, um, Jack and Ralph's tribe, and then the fire destroys everything on the, on the island, but it also is their savior. Mm. So, wait, what is the question? Do we just have to talk about this? Well, it's not really a question. It's just kind of describing how fire changes throughout the story and how it starts as something positive. Yeah. It starts as their former rescue, and then it gets more sinister and hard to control. Yeah. At first, um, I, I have some more bullet points. I said something like, so at first it was a symbol of civilization, because they made it with Piggy's glasses, and they made a little um, 
they made a little smoke signal. And then it was a symbol of danger because it got out of control and killed the boy. Mm-hmm. And then it was a symbol of destruction with, um, uh, with, 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 oh yeah, when the entire, uh, island uh burned down and then so (laughs) even though it was a symbol of destruction it played a um a double rule as their savior so weirdly enough it both um it both took away a life and saved their lives so i thought that was pretty cool um we yeah, she's back. Well, oh, she's back. I just want to say I accidentally got a phone call and then it like logged me oh. out of the call, so I had to join back. All right. Well, you're back, oh. so it's okay. Yeah. We just started introducing the next mom, so you didn't miss much. So it's okay. Yeah. All right. Now, I, was just, I one thing I noticed was that when the fire is with Ralph and Piggy, at that time, that's when most of the island, or at least especially Ralph and Piggy, are focused on rescue. And focused on what Ralph is focused on, which is just getting them off that island, maintaining the fire. But once the fire gets passed over to, or gets stolen from Jack's tribe or by Jack's tribe, that's when everything really starts to go haywire. Everything's falling apart. Nobody's comfortable with where they are except for Jack and Roger. And when they have the fire, everything's chaotic. They're they're in the form the place of power now, and they're just focused on hunting and just. Mm viciousness they're just focused on getting pleasure out of killing and hunting and just cruelty (laughs) yeah me and Parisi have been talking a lot do you guys have anything to say um the whole book kind of just has me in shock of all the events that's kind of like i have to think (laughs) about it (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it really escalated a lot. I got scared halfway through. It's definitely a um, intense book. Yeah, because yeah, it's I like understand. the developments are kind of like, like for for Roger, it was like, you like you could tell he was always like a little off. Like he was always, yeah, always had that like the evil intentions, and then from just <laughs> being like that to then killing someone. It's really hard to un- fully understand. Yeah. He had an evil look in his eye. <laughs> he walked past me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but back to uh, fire. Um, Hannah, because you haven't talked in a minute, do you have anything to say about how, like, destruction was kind of the last thing that fire represented before they got rescued? I feel like. Okay, I think towards the book, I mean, towards the beginning of the book, I may not be remembering correctly, but um, towards the beginning of the book, um, they were like, oh, we should fire at the top of the mountain so people can see, like, the smoke mm-hmm. and, like, rescue us, right? All right. Okay, but, like, as the, as the book progresses, I feel like the fire doesn't really represent that anymore. It represents more of, like, rage, hatred, and, like, crazy anger, like, and just, just savagery, I guess, overall. And it just kind of represents, I guess, like, how the boys just turn absolutely crazy towards the end and like like we've mentioned multiple times they start murdering people and eating mm-hmm. each other yeah i agree it's kind of like at first fire was like oh this can help like people see us like so that we could get rescued sooner and as the book progresses <laughs> fire develops from like that to like death and like danger savagery 
Yeah, I also feel like the fire, how it ranges from just like almost going out to being raging and how it just kind of changes the whole story, kind of like parallels what's happening in the plot. Like when the fire's getting out of control, that's usually before, sorry, (laughs) it's usually before something big or bad or surprising happens in the story. And when the fire's getting low, that's kind of when the morale was low. Everybody was kind of confused on what they were doing. Didn't really know if if or how they were ever going to get off the island. They didn't know mm-hmm. if they wanted to follow Ralph or follow Jack. Everybody was kind of lost in the middle. And then by the end, everybody's rage and just thirst for violence just overpowered everything along with the fire and just destroyed the whole island up until the rescue. Mm-hmm. that's kind of crazy to think about like if you would put yourself in like that situation do you think do you guys think you would become violent after not being rescued I would try not to be but you know we, I, we've never been in that kind of situation mm-hmm. right so we would we would never know until until we get on the plane does that make sense? <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean I'd like to say that I'd be you know, like, fine the whole time, but you, there's no way to infer on what would happen if you were stranded on an island with a bunch of kids for months. Because <laughs> I don't think they ever stated exactly how long they were on the island, but it had to have been months, because people's hair was growing out, they were all significantly tanner and stuff. I, like, to be away from, like, running water and, like, electricity for that long, like, what it, I don't even know if I would survive. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd probably go starved by, like, the third week. <laughs> Did you guys um, have any thoughts on how the final fire was meant to smoke out Ralph? And it, there was, it was completely unintentional that it ended up being their rescue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, it's just kind of a... Um, kind of a... Uh, what do you call it? I guess a yin-yang sort of thing, where um, at first, all of the boys were focused on um, focused on getting rescued, and they used the fire for that. They used it for getting rescued, and unintentionally um, unintentionally burnt down and killed a lot of the forest. But then at the end of the book, they were not focused on getting rescued and they were focused on burnt down and killing the rest of the force and someone, but they ended up getting rescued anyway. I thought that was a nice parallel. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. The way yeah. it contradicts but still kind of like matches up. Or how the island <laughs> and the loss of civilization completely flipped their motives. Mm-hmm. I also thought about how Ralph based his, um, like, his leadership in the beginning around the fire and keeping it going. I mean, the conch was what made him a leader, but his leadership, like, as a leader, his main goal was to keep the fire going, to get them rescued. And he never really wavered from that. But at the same time, Jack really never wanted to be rescued. After, like, the first couple of days, couple of chapters, he was... He was ready to stay on that island and keep hunting and having fun and not listening to rules for as long as he so pleases. But he never wavered from that either. And I was, 
it's so odd that such like two so different people are leaders because they're both good leaders. They both brought people together. They both kept people as safe as they could, even though people did die. You can't really do much about that. But they were both good leaders besides having such different goals and different personalities and different ways of leading in general. Um, how long are we supposed to be doing this podcast for? I think we're about done. We can do a little review, cover, like, touch on everything one more time and then wrap it up. Yeah, we could do a little wrap up. Right. How, uh, yeah. I forget how podcasts <laughs> wrap up. How, how do we wrap up? Well, I have no idea. I mean, no at the beginning idea. we touched on how Simon says maybe there's a beast, Ralph says there isn't a beast, Jack says we can hunt it, and that kind of shows how everybody portrays their evil in different ways and it comes out in different ways. And then we moved on to how, like, the setting and the different characters portray different kinds of evil and how Golding shows that evil is something everybody is capable of, but not everybody chooses to show it or just submits to it. And then we traced back to Roger going from just a quiet, kind of reserved boy with not the best um, ethics or morale, but wasn't a terrible person. And then... Jack kind of pushed him over the edge, and he went just completely berserk. He murdered Piggy, that kind of thing. And then Mm. uh, just now we finished up with uh, talking about the fire and how it starts as a symbol of rescue, and then it kind of foreshadows upcoming danger, and then at the end it's destruction and rescue, and kind of the the diamond in the rough, the yin-yang, as Katie said, of the whole book. I think that's kind of all we went over. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I think that's good then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. (laughs)